0: Today's reading is taken from John, chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, and 19 to 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not a light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, this was John's testimony, When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and the Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in words of Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight away for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, not Elijah, not the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, But among you stands one you do not know, he is the one who comes after me. The straps of those sandals are not worthy to untie. This all happened in Bethany, on the other side of Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God.
1: Thank you, Ivy, for praying. Now, if you can go back to the blank slide. Um, Thank you, Harvey, for praying and, uh, I mean, reading, and Andy for praying, and let's pray that God will speak to us um, this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus um, that we have this good news, and we pray, would you help us to see the greatness of this news this morning and uh, how we should live um, in light of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen if somebody asked you, um, who are you, how would you answer that question? Who are you? I suppose it would depend on the context of the question, how it was asking, um, and why uh, you're being asked. But think about maybe a therapist or a philosopher saying, who are you really? Who are you really? What would you say? I think the answer would be revealing. I, I might say something like, well, I'm uh, Mary's husband and father of three kids? Well, that answer says, well, I define myself in relationship to my parents, my fa- I mean, my, my family. My, my family is the most important thing to me. And maybe you might say, well, I'm a doctor or I'm a, a, a teacher, I'm a domestic helper, I'm, I do these things. Well, that answer says that you are defined by what you do. How you think of yourself is what you do, your job, your occupation. And there are things I imagine that would come up in your mind, but you would never say out loud to other people, <laughs> you might think to yourself, well, I'm pretty funny, I'm good-looking, or I went to Cambridge, or I'm a managing partner, or something like this. In your mind, uh, you know, you define yourself you see yourself. The first thing that comes up is maybe your achievements, uh, your personality, the good qualities about yourself that you wouldn't admit to others, but that is the first thing that comes up to your mind looks, wealth, intelligence, achievements. In his days, John the Baptist was a big deal. John the Baptist was a big deal. There was a buzz when he preached, um, and he dressed eccentrically, and he was out there in the desert, and he wasn't seeking the limelight. He wasn't seeking to be famous, and people who want to be famous do not go out to the middle of the desert. They seek out the big city in Jerusalem, especially if you're a religious figure. But he he was out there in the desert, and people were attracted to him. People were flocking to him, so much so that the religious leaders were so nervous, they sent people to check out who he is. Who are you, they asked, and the answer is revealing. He tells us who he is. He tells us he's a witness, witness to the one who is coming. And I hope that is actually how we see ourselves. Actually, we find not only are we witnesses, but we're even greater than, greater witnesses than John the Baptist. Before I was born, my father had a dream about me. Um, It involved bamboo trees and an axe or something like this. Uh, it's very likely that he had indigestion and had a bad dream, <laughs> but John the Baptist, his greatness was foretold, and, and it, his greatness uh, was announced even before he was born. Remember his father, Zachariah, Zachariah was a, a priest working in the temple. And as he was working alone in the temple, an angel appeared to him. Appeared to him, an angel told him that his barren wife Elizabeth will bear a child, and that he would go before him, before God, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to make a ready a people a prepared for the Lord. In the spirit of Elijah, he would go out and prepare the way of the Lord. He was to be that Elijah, that expected Elijah, who was to come before the Messiah. Uh, and in fact, John the Baptist started doing his job right away inside of Elizabeth. Do you remember that? When Elizabeth, mother of uh, John the Baptist, visited Mary, what did, what did John the Baptist do? It leapt. He leapt in the womb, pointing to the one who was to come. That's the one. He was doing that, that job right away, Luke. One forty-one, and he prepared the way for Jesus' ministry in the desert. How he started to baptize people. He started baptizing Jewish people specifically. See, baptism wasn't something that Jewish people uh, Jewish people did. Uh, It was for the Gentiles. When Gentiles converted into Judaism, it wasn't enough that people they washed their hands or their feet. Their whole body needed to be cleansed. They needed to become a new person. And that's what uh, John the Baptist was doing. He was, he was saying to the Jewish people that being a Jew, being God's chosen people wasn't enough, that they needed to be reborn. They needed to become a different person, that they needed cleansing themselves. He was preparing the way of the Lord, the message of Jesus. And think about this. Pastor Tim Keller points this out uh, in his sermon on John the Baptist, that actually that in most uh, religions... They teach people how to purify yourself, and that's not what John the Baptist was doing. John the Baptist wasn't going around telling people how to cleanse themselves, how to wash themselves, how to make themselves better, how to make themselves more acceptable to God. What was John doing? He was baptizing people. What he was saying, he's preparing the way of the Lord, way of Jesus, saying, you can't do this. You cannot wash your sins away. You cannot make yourself acceptable to God on your own. Someone else needs to do that for you. And he was baptizing people, and he was saying, someone greater than I will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Even though John's message was odd, and he was an odd man out in the desert, people were flocking to him. And as I said, then the religious leaders were getting nervous, and so they sent people to investigate. They asked, who are you? Who are you? Verse 21, he denies being a person of any importance. He denies being the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. He says he's not Elijah either. Uh, There's no reincarnation in Judaism, in Christianity. We don't believe in that. This wasn't literally Elijah come back, even though he fulfilled the role of Elijah. He said that he wasn't even a prophet, and so they were exasperated. And then they asked in verse 22, Who are you then? Who are you? Give us an answer. And John replied, quoting Isaiah chapter 43, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I am the voice in the wilderness, in the desert. I mean, think about a voice. A voice isn't even a thing. It's a sound wave. It's an immaterial thing that exists and fades away. He's saying, I am a voice. I am insignificant. But he is a voice, a very important voice. He's the voice that's announcing the coming of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 is all about this Lord um, the, the make straight the way of the Lord. That Lord should be capitalized, L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh. Yahweh God is coming, and He's the voice that's announcing the coming of Yahweh God. God Himself will come and lead us and save us, and He is a, a, that voice that announces His coming. He is a witness to that voice. You see, he thought that God's coming to earth is such an important event That he was defining himself, who he is, his mission, his identity, the very being. He was defining himself in relation to this task. That he is a witness. That his whole life is spent pointing people to Jesus, that he is to come, he is the Messiah. So let's go back again and ask friends, who are you? Who are you? And when I got married, I thought my life changed. Uh, not really. <laughs> it did, but it didn't. Uh, not that much. I mean, I could still be as selfish as I wanted to, really. Um, but it really did change when Barney was born. When Barney was born, I, I just saw the life differently. I, I still remember coming back from the hospital. I can't remember it was like 11.30 at night or something. Um, I, was, I was in the taxi ride coming back. And I saw uh, the, um, the apartments uh, lit um, up there in the mountains. And I thought, oh, that's so beautiful. And immediately my mind thought, you know, Barney's going to see that. <laughs> and Barney's going to see this beautiful world. You see, I saw things differently. My world had changed. It, it's a world where Barney was in now. And I started to see the world in relationship uh, it, 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 uh, with respect to, to, to my relationship with, with, with Barney. The world was different, and I, 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 I heard a comedian expressing something similar. Slightly, um, uh, he, he was saying actually, when he got married, he thought, oh, you know, I love my wife. I'm, 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 am I can even die for her. And then he said that when his daughter was born, when he held his daughter in his arms, he said, you know what? I wouldn't just die for her. I would kill for her. <laughs> Um, I do not condone murder, (laughs) even for your children. But you see what he's saying. He's saying that his world has changed, right? He's a father now. He sees the world differently. He sees himself differently as a result. He became a father. God became a baby 2,000 years ago. And if you see this baby in the manger as who he is, God became incarnate God became incarnate if you see the baby as he is your life should change your life should change because you know that there is a God God who loves and if you if you know uh, why this baby came why this God became why God became a baby if you know the reason why that he became a baby so he could live a pure life that he would die on the cross for us because he loves us and he wants to make us his own that this message is for you if you see that message as your message for you then your life should change if you know this amazing love of the creator god who knows you calls you pursues you who loves you then that should change our life it should be the biggest thing in our life it should change our mission in life. It should make us witnesses. But for those who go out and tell others about this love. In fact, all those who have come to Jesus, you are witnesses. Because you know something of God's love. But actually, you're even greater witnesses than John the Baptist. I'm going to take us to Matthew 11 Uh, for this. There, Jesus tells His disciples that John is the greatest born of women. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen any greater than John the Baptist. Think about that statement. John is the greatest born among women. He's the greatest being who ever lived up till that time, Jesus says. It's a puzzling statement. How could John the Baptist be greater than Abraham? The the, the patriarch, uh, the, the, the progenitor of the Jewish race, the whole race, God's chosen people? How is he greater than Moses, who delivered Israel out of Egypt, who led them through the waters of the Red Sea? How is he greater than King David, the greatest king, the greatest king that Israel has ever known? How is he greater than all these different people? Well, Jesus is saying actually, that these other people were great because they pointed to him, but that John the Baptist pointed to, to, pointed to him in the most clear way possible. Think about all the Old Testament figures and how they pointed to Christ. Abraham's obedience pointed to Christ. Abraham's people, the Jewish people, pointed to us, God's people. Not just one race, but people from all over the world. The salvation that uh, Moses uh, uh, gave to the Israelites, that salvation was a faint, faint uh, um, pointer forward to our salvation. Salvation from sin and death and the redemption of the whole world that is to come. It was a faint pointer to our salvation. King David, the greatest king, his rule is a faint pointer to Jesus, that his kingship, his rule over not just Israel, but over the entire world. Everything pointed to him. But they all pointed to him in a faint, in a a sort of roundabout way. Whereas John the Baptist, he had the privilege of seeing Jesus come in his lifetime. He had the privilege of pointing to Jesus and say, He is that man. He is the Messiah. Go to him. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will make you into a new person. You see, that's what made John the Baptist the greatest, born of a woman, because he pointed to our Savior, the Creator's Savior, the most clear way possible. That's what made him great. This is how the New Testament scholar, Don Carson, put it. John's greatness did not consist in the ability to perform miracles, for he did not perform one. Not in the ability to write great books like Isaiah, for he did not write one. Not in the ability to rule a great people, for he was never a king. He was not a high priest. He never offered a sacrifice. He was a desert preacher, but he pointed out who Jesus was, and that's what makes him great. He pointed out who Jesus was and that's what made him great. His clear witness of Jesus. The way that he was able to draw people to their Savior, the expected, the promised one. That's what made John the Baptist the greatest born of women up until then. But then listen to this. He added, Jesus added, Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist looked forward to Jesus' coming, um, and he came, but he didn't have all the information. <laughs> um, and uh, Jesus is saying that those who come after Jesus, those who come after John the Baptist, that those who enter the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist himself, even the least of them. Let's assume that Barney, my five-year-old son, is the least in the kingdom of God right now. How can he be greater than John the Baptist? How does that make sense? You see, he can be, and he is, greater than John the Baptist because he can be, and he is, in some ways, clearer witness to who Jesus is and what he has done. You see, John the Baptist had Christmas, but he didn't have the good friday he didn't have easter he didn't have the ascension he didn't have the pentecost he didn't have the worldwide church john the baptist died before those things but now i tell my son about all those things how jesus died on the cross but on the third day he rose again that the tomb was empty and that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, and He promised to send the Holy Spirit. And on the Pentecost Day, God sent the Holy Spirit. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon everyone who called on the name of our Lord Jesus, and they are made new, that, they're, uh, that they experience God in a way that they never could before. Uh, Barney knows about the church and the greatness of the church, that, that, that God's people weren't just specifically uh, to one race, but that the gospel went out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and the gospel went out, and we, all of us, I mean, look around you, and let's see the greatness of our salvation. Jesus is Savior of all of us, of all people in the world. Barney knows that in a way that John the Baptist never did. And that's the message that we have. Friends, the the gospel message that we have, the Christmas message that we have, the, the, the message of Jesus that we have is something even the angels look forward to. It's a message that brings salvation to all people. It's a message that announces to the world that there is a new world coming. This message is the most precious thing that you have. The most precious thing... Uh, this is how Bishop J. C. Ryle put it: "Child, the child who knows the story of the cross possesses a key to religious knowledge which patriarchs and prophets never enjoyed." This message is the greatest thing that we have because it is salvation for all those who believe. It is it's a message that will bring people to salvation to all. Those who believe, but as yeah. Uncle Ben told Spider-Man, great, with great powers comes great responsibility. With great powers comes g- uh, with great responsibility. Fri- friends, we enjoy this privileged position in history, but we also have this responsibility not to go out, to announce to the world that they have a savior, that he is coming. We're counting the day to Christmas. We're also counting the day for uh, the second coming, the advent of Jesus for the second time. And we are sent out, friends, into the world to share this good news with, about Jesus because, church, we have found the Messiah, the promised one, or actually, better yet, He has found us he came to search for us 2000 years ago as a baby he he has searched for us uh, through the spirit through moving history in a way so that we could hear the gospel he's reconciled us on the uh, 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 to, to god on the cross he's through the spirit he has made us new people he has sh- uh, drawn us to be part of the church and he has sent out he has sent us out as his witnesses and that is the greatest thing that we can do in the world, and we all have small ambitions, and those are, ambitions are important. You know, your job and, uh, and all these little things that you want to do, they, they are important, but I hope you see that God has given all of you a big mission to be His witnesses, to prepare the world for His coming again. So in this Christmas season, will you pray? Will you pray for your friends and family? Will you go out and tell people about Jesus? Come and join us uh, next Sunday as we go out caroling. Let's go out to the street, even people who we don't know. Let's tell people that there is a Savior, that they have a Savior, that there is a new world coming. Will you invite them to church, to Christianity Explore, to read the Bible with you? Let's go out and share this news of Jesus because we have the best news in the world, and people want to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. So will we, with our life, with our words, will we show Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the greatness of our salvation, Lord, that it shows unconditional grace. Lord, even though we are sinners, while we're sinners, that Christ died for us to reconcile us and bring us back to you, God, the creator and maker of all good things. Lord, we thank you for the greatness of our salvation, and we thank you for the message that you have entrusted to us. And Lord, help us to see ourselves with this, Uh, help us to see this, this treasure in jars of clay, and help us to go out with this treasure and share this good news with others. Lord, just as you had come 2,000 years ago as a baby, Lord, we know that you will return in glory. Lord, help us to prepare ourselves and prepare the world for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.